0: For more information, visit www.novic.co. This episode is brought to you by Nexus. Building a support a creator program is something all live service game developers should be doing. But without the right engineering bandwidth or marketing expertise, doing so can be a challenge nexus's creator program in a box makes it easy for game devs to build and manage world-class creator programs driving significant growth in conversion arpu retention and ltv nexus has partnered with incredible live service publishers like capcom grinding gear games hi res ninja kiwi and more and would love to help you our Novic gaming podcast listeners do the same if interested in learning more, simply head to nexus.gg slash There you can learn more about the efficacy of support of creator programs and discover how to easily build your own. Again, that's nexus.gg slash Novik or check out the link in the show notes. And with that, Let's jump into the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm your host today, Aaron Bush, and today's episode is going to be a treat. I'm joined by Chris and Stephen Bell, two brothers who have led or been involved in several impactful games, including some of my favorites over the years, like Journey, Sky, Children of the Light, What Remains of Edith Finch, Blazeball, and more. We'll talk about reflections from all of those projects in this conversation, but the main impetus for this episode is that Chris and Steven are also now co-founders of a new and ambitious games company called Gardens, and they just raised a large Series A to go with it. So we'll also be spending a good amount of time talking about what they're building and how it both expands upon and differs from some of their earlier projects. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited to dive in. Steven, Chris, welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, let's go ahead and start with some quick introductions. Um, And so maybe if you could each just tell us a bit more about your backgrounds. And as a part of that, too, I just have to know what your favorite game is that you've helped develop so far in your career. So Chris, let's start with you for this one. Sure.
1: Um, <clears throat> Hi, I'm Chris Bell. I'm the co-founder, CEO, creative director, and president uh, here at Gardens. Um, I got my start... Well, first making a student game called uh, in grad school called Way, uh, which pairs uh, strangers up uh, to go on an adventure together. It's all nonverbal. Um, it's kind of like Journey before Journey. And that uh, project actually got me noticed uh, by that game company and got me working on Journey, whereas I was a designer producer. From there, I went on to be the lead designer of what remains of Edith Finch. And after that was the lead designer of Sky Children of the Light up until launch um, and then co-founded Gardens with Stephen and Lexi Dostal.
0: So what was your favorite What's your game? Your favorite game
2: that you made.
1: Um this is maybe a strange answer but um I am actually maybe most proud of my student game way and the reason for that is just because of um what it was able to achieve in such small form. Um I think it actually uh leaves a great impression on players and so we can talk more about how that game works and 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 what it is exactly but um I, it's it's hard. I love I love all the games I've worked on. Um, they're all you know. I I hold them in high regard in all respects and um, in various respects. And I enjoyed working on them. And I think and I loved working on them with those teams. So, um, but I'm going to go with the student game just because it's it's different and stands out in its own
0: way awesome i like that answer and in preparation for this episode i I was actually on youtube watching a couple interviews you did uh, over a decade ago when you were super passionate when way it was coming out so i took some notes from Uh that well we'll, maybe we'll get back to that but steven how about how about you
2: yeah yeah hi um steven bell i'm uh one of the co-founders also we have another co-founder Alexi Dostel, who's not here um so i just want to shout him out but um I am uh, both narrative director and chief strategy officer here at Gardens. We kind of wear a bunch of different hats, um, especially when you're a young company. Mm -hmm. Um, I got my start. I came up in like the film and TV space. Like I write and direct, um, still do a little bit. Um, And kind of Chris and I had always like collaborated on projects together. So just through his, you know, working on Journey, I was kind of around for the tail end of Journey You know helping out a little bit like playtesting talking through things getting to know like the indie scene in la um who you know and more and more i would meet studios and they would find out like i was a writer or whatever and they might be doing something narrative and they'd ask me to check out you know check it out and like maybe do some consulting so forth so i kind of went from being like a story consultant games writer to narrative designer to kind of a full-fledged designer, um, first wrote my first like official gig was like writing on what remains of you to Finch. Um, I bounced around, did a lot of different types of, you know, contract work for, for studios, stuff that like Anna put out Quantic Dream, um, kind of all over the place. Um, while founding Gardens, I co-created this game called Blaze which is very different than what we're doing here at Gardens, but it's like a weird web-based fantasy baseball yeah. TTRPG thing. Um yeah. And so just kind of, you know, been very lucky to to work on a number of cool projects and and get to just help out really, really great teams. Um in terms of my favorite project, it's so tough. Uh, I would say that I would have to say it's a kind of a tie. Um, what remains Vita Finch was my first title. It obviously like, you know, we, you know, we won the BAFTA and like, that was all crazy, but, um, just, you know, seeing some of the fan responses there, uh, was amazing. And our family history, like so many moments and memories from our family is like all over that house. Like yeah that's and that, that goes that goes for the whole team as well it's just like it's so autobiographical in so many ways that people don't understand um so you know like if you if you're in edith finch and you're like creeping through the crawl space um and you look at like the ac compressor unit if you zoom in, you'll see like a sticker on the compressor. And it's like, th- that's, our dad has a plumbing, small plumbing and heating company. And you'll see like the logo for his company on the compressor. Like there's just things <laughs> all over the house that are just literal memories pulled, you know, pulled from, from our family history. Um, so that, and then also Blaseball, Um, Baseball is such a weird thing. It's such an amazing energy. The, the fan base and community was so incredible. And that was a thing that was, just rapidly iterative, um, and getting immediate feedback, you know, sometimes within a week or two. Um, I've never had an energy like that before. So, um, that those two I'd probably say are my favorites.
0: Okay. Those are great answers. We'll talk more about what remains of Edith Finch in a little bit. That's one of my, my favorite games too. So (laughs) part of that fan base. Um, but before we do that, um, I before we dive into that and even just get into some of more details about the new company and the new game you're working on, I do want to take a bit more of a trip down memory lane here and explore some of the sure. ideas and learnings behind some of these earlier games and successes, some of which I imagine actually help set a foundation for what you're building next. And so it'd be fun to explore um, some of those some of those ideas. And so maybe first of all. Um, Chris, ever since you were that college student and created Way, and soon after that journey, it, it seems like you have obsessed at least a little bit about creating these like collaborative, more joyous experiences that's happened to like a range of more positive emotions maybe um and actions that most games don't prioritize and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong here or just kind of frame it as as you see it um but i'm just curious like why have you kind of stuck with that focus over the years because it seems like you guys also might have a similar beds with gardens as well
1: sure yeah um, you know when it comes to the games I like to design but also the games I like to play uh, multiplayer is definitely um, at the forefront of uh, what we care about uh, think about you know the power in in strangers coming together in the the the, the opportunity of another person of, of what they can bring to the table and the things they can offer you and the, the drama that can unfold or the different kinds of experiences and so you know um, you get a lot for free when you when you make a multiplayer their game in a way because you, you know, versus being more of a content driven game where you're trying to, uh, you know, create a bunch of um, experience or whatever for the player to go through um, or systems or what have you, you know, you, you get a lot by just bringing this other player that, that, that brings their whole self and whatnot into the world. Um, so you know, when I was in 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 college and grad school, um, I made a, my the, my thesis project uh, was called uh, the Universal Play Project, and uh, the goal for that project was let's make a game that gets two strangers to become friends. Okay. Um, we couldn't, we didn't really have many great examples. We knew think we there was examples of things that um, of like games that had some of the qualities that we were looking for, but there wasn't really a specific example that that hit on all the, the characteristics that we were um, set out to to hit and, And um, so ultimately that uh, that thinking and those ideas around um, communication, collaboration, constructive play, um, coalesced into this game way where uh, two strangers uh, get paired up in a foreign world. Uh, it's all nonverbal um, and it's split screen. And one player is kind of like a platform or like a puzzle platformer. One person's going left to right. One person's going right to left and uh, they can see into each other's worlds. But what we don't tell you at the outset is that you see the world differently from each other and um, that you actually have to communicate how you see the world differently using um, nonverbal means. And so um, ultimately, you have this experience where these two strangers meet in this foreign place where they're both kind of in need of each other and, and, and need each other's help to progress and uh, communicate nonverbally with one another. And uh, to spoil it, because the is unfortunately no longer supported, uh, the Unity version's no longer supported, so it's not playable currently. Um, when the two finally meet and that person going left to right meets, meets the person going right to left because really they've been heading towards each other from opposite ends of the world, it's slightly a metaphor towards of uh, their different perspectives and backgrounds, uh, they meet in the middle, they can, they can hug, they can hold hands, they can punch each other, whatever, They're using the same pu- pu- puppetry mechanics that they were using to communicate non-verbally. But uh, most importantly, they come to a map of the world and they can draw on it for the first time. And uh, it's there where they can communicate for the first time using words. And so someone might write like, oh, great job. Like, that was amazing. In um, circle, you know, you know, I'm in Los Angeles, so maybe I circle Los Angeles on the map. Uh, but then someone else might respond in kanji or Arabic. And you realize that you've been communicating with this person non-verbally the entire time overcoming all these challenges only to discover, um, that you can, that you don't even necessarily speak the same verbal language. And so that's a big epiphany for, for players. It's, it it kind of makes them take a seat back, step back and kind of observe and think about themselves and maybe their own assumptions about, uh, this person they were playing with or or what it means to communicate with a stranger from around the world. So, um, that, you know, seeing the, how strongly players resonated with that game, um, And, you know, uh, how, you know, it was able to sort of conjure some of these uh, moments that we that we love from online games. That's what got me working on Journey. And uh, it was pretty much a a really kind of perfect fit in a way, because I was already kind of working on this game about pairing up non Berkeley with a stranger and going on this adventure. So Journey was like a natural extension of that. And it's continued um, up until this day. I think, you know, we'll talk a bit more about the game that we're work- working on in a bit. Um, but, you know, you talk about making like collaborative joyous experiences. That's certainly true. Um, that said, uh, we are definitely interested in asking the question of can you create a a collaborative uh, experience t- uh, to a degree, or get players to collaborate when they don't have to, or when they can potentially work against each other? And can mm-hmm. you still create like a foundation of cooperative play that inspires them to to work together and play together um, in spite of maybe uh, their the fact that they don't necessarily have to, or, or could go the other way?
0: Yeah, that's that's a really cool idea, and just kind of seeing your. Your chain of how you've kind of evolved your thinking <laughs> over time is pretty interesting too, because even way I would argue is still like a pretty innovative idea. We're making like the core gameplay non-verbal communication <laughs> in some ways, like that still is a pretty big, powerful idea that I I don't think too many other developers have toyed around with or have thought about it as much as uh, as much as you have. And so I'm curious, um, maybe as a follow up here, what do you think? Is there anything that you think is underappreciated or that other developers don't think enough about when it comes to making these types of collaborative experiences?
1: I think... You know, one of the things I think about is just like, how do you make these games playful? How do you make them expressive? How do you make sure that the player has a voice? And, you know, even though we're taking it's nonverbal, these games, um, it's still important that you can see the player behind the avatar and kind of understand what they're thinking or get an impression of, of what they're going through or feeling. So, um, taking like a nuanced uh, sensitivity towards that and uh, building in those expressive tools. So players can, you know, perform for each other and kind of fill in the gaps. And then, um, yeah, just looking at the, the the nuances of that communication, I think, you know, an, an example of a multiplayer game where uh, players can work together, you know, non-verbally is a game like portal two uh, where players can use the different, um, they have like a tagging system where you can kind of tag objects around the environment to kind of, suggest what you communicate uh, different ideas uh, just the one thing about that game that's that's you know different than way is that um, I do think in portal 2 um, th- there's this uh, it can it can have this effect where uh, one player is the where players start competing to solve the puzzle before each other uh, and that's because once a player explains the solution it's no longer interesting and so um, portal Two ends up having this more competitive aspect so definitely something to, to, to consider but yeah I think i think i i put a lot of emphasis on how to bring in how to make the player as expressive as possible think about those expressive tools and the affordances they have and then how do we take those expressions and that playfulness and that those ways of communicating and interacting with one another and and form a game around it that's compelling that brings these people together that sends them on an emotional journey et etc
0: yeah super interesting and related four years ago sky children of the light was released and one of the mm-hmm. the innovative features of that game was that it made it impossible to progress without being generous um, to, to other players. Mm-hmm. Um, and the game also, you know, has native features that help players get over language barriers. And and so, you know, there's a bit of a motif here in that. And I know that you both mm-hmm. played a role in that game. So I'm curious to hear both of your takes on just like what unique challenges or opportunities you faced in designing or building narrative around <laughs> that kind of unique experience. And Steven, maybe I'll, I'll start with you on this one, if you have thoughts.
2: I, I, were, I was on Sky in a much more limited capacity than Chris, but um, just looking at it from like a narrative angle, um, I think the game is, is beautiful and succeeds in a lot of ways. I think like one challenge we faced was like, okay, does this need a narrative on top of it? And I think it kind of, it, it sometimes, in, in my opinion, there's a tension there um it definitely is like a spiritual sequel to journey it 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 shares a lot of the same beats Um, um but I don't think that's exactly what the game wanted to be um I think it has bloomed in a lot of ways um since that first launch um once once people went on that that full arc um, got to like a literal ending and then you have to invent reasons to come back. Right. Like, I, I think like we, like, I don't know if it's still there. I haven't played in a while, but like we rolled credits at the end of that. Right. And I think like, personally, that's a mistake. (laughs) Uh, I think I can say, um, just because you hit an end point and then as a player, like, all right, well, I'm done. I'm finished it. Like, why am I going to go back? And that definitely is meant to be much more of a continuously expansive, experience. Um, so finding ways to, to think of narrative differently, um, than I think we had been is something that I think we did to a degree, but, you know, I think it, that that was a lesson learned. Um, and it's something that, you know, a lesson that we've learned as we move into the, the project that we're making now. Right. Um, I am much more interested as a narrative designer in, um, kind of just burying story as deep in a virtual world as I can and letting players dig it out, really trying to, um, create like an emergent narrative ecology, we always say, um, build a foundation for interesting, you know, multiplayer stories to just emerge between players, let them really drive the experience. Um, that's what, that's what we're setting out to do here.
0: Gotcha. How about you, Chris, any notable reflections from that game?
1: um it, it took a long time to get right I actually came in uh middle mid, well, midway through that project's development I was working on Edith Finch for a while and then um finished that game and then uh, came over to help out on Sky and I will say that when I when I joined Sky um it was still kind of a shell of a game uh, of a game it, it had a lot of different pieces in it a lot of different ideas and and um characters or mechanics and whatnot but it was it was a real challenge and struggle to say you know what's what's really most important here what really belongs what need what stays what what needs to go away or get killed what's part of uh an earlier idea that never really came to fruition or or you know and so coming into a project midway where it has all these moving parts and um um is, is so complex in a lot of ways. Uh, it took a lot of time to kind of just sort of read, see through all of that, understand what really mattered, what was really important. Um, and then also, you know, the game was also just has a lot of, you know, innovations, you know, it's a 3D, let's call it a platformer or, you know, flyer, whatever, um, on phones, uh, doesn't those don't really exist, you know, trying to create like, really well controlled gameplay on a phone and a 3D moving avatar is something that you don't really see. Um, the the free to play economy based around gifting was a, you know, a new um, innovation, and uh, it took a lot of time to to get right you know I think there, there was even a, a, a period in in the studio's uh history where uh, in that project's history where it could have where it was this kind of debate over does, is it meant to be more of this playground this like playground experience where it's more of a sandbox is it meant to be more of this linear experience where it's more of like a hero's journey kind of like journey and then it ends up being it, it ends up somewhere in the middle i think by the end uh being this kind of theme park uh like experience that we've designed so um uh, lots of, lots of learnings and, um, and, uh, challenges along the way. Uh, but, uh, ultimately I think came together into something that, that was quite, uh, holistic and, uh, successful. Cool.
0: If we had another hour, I'd spend some more time unpacking some of the, the bigger ideas here. You guys have worked on a bunch of interesting games that we could spend a bunch of time on each of them. But, uh, one more question before we start talking about gardens, um, Steven, um uh, you, you mentioned that you have an extensive background in writing and narrative design, including for what remains of Finch, which I mentioned is is a game that that resonated with me quite a bit. And it's cool to hear some of the the lore behind, you know, the the <coughs> you mentioned the autobiographical parts of it. Um mm-hmm. and I guess for quick context for those who haven't played um but should, but no no spoilers. But the basic premise of the game is that like there's a collection of short stories that the protagonist experiences, and they're all about the day that, um, you know, someone has died in in the past. And um, one thing about that game that I still think about years later is how diverse of a tone all of the stories are in that game and how it makes you feel a range of emotions that ultimately culminates in in a touching ending. And of course, all of that takes place in just one game. Um, and so bigger picture, Steven, I'm just curious, like what have you learned about or leveled up in narrative design over the years to really make the most of players going through wide-ranging stories and feeling connected to these games through, you know, all sorts of those different emotions, I guess. I I think it's
2: just been my approach to narrative design has been like an evolving Thing, right. Is as, as again, you know, just as I've developed as a designer, and, and you know, I think like the most important thing when it comes to to narrative design is um, you have that relationship between the the player, the virtual world, and that central mechanic that is driving the experience, and um, just doing whatever I can to not disrupt that relationship. Um, I never want to pull, you know, like put myself in the middle of that or um, pull agency away from the player. I think like one, it's weird to say as a narrative designer, but I'm like, not every game needs narrative or every game tells a story in its own kind of particular way. Um, I think like too many games are like, try to be interactive movies, which I don't think can be successful uh, personally. Um, When it comes to like, the things that we're building now are what I'm interested in. I'm really interested in kind of like both emergent narrative, whether whether systemically from like a ProcGen perspective or just between uh, players, right? And so it's it's really about, like I said, trying to just like bury as much story. If you're creating a big virtual world, bury as much story as deep as you can. You can have history and lore and all of that. Um, but you don't need to spoon feed your audience. You don't need to hammer them over the head with like a million cutscenes. Like let them go dig it out. I think the most interesting uh experiences that I've seen in games, especially from like around narrative, are like, you know, the discoveries that players make and then go share outside the game as they build their communities together. I look at, you know, we look at the works of like Fumito Ueda, whether that's like Shadow of the Colossus, which is like my maybe favorite game of all time to last guardian to even like the 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 souls games right and i you know the souls games have like a ton of text in them i don't really read any of that ever like i'll read a little bit it's really in the environmental storytelling and stuff and often like when you do read the text it often like um is contradictory, or you know, some some details in the environment kind of undercut what you've read. I think that's the most interesting part because then you start finding communities built outside of the game where they're speculating, they're kind of filling in the gaps together. Um, I want to leave space for the player. Um, I'm not just trying to take them through a guided, you know, end to end call it interactive movie or what have you. Um, I I want them to feel like they are digging out story. They are. Sorry, that's my puppy. Uh, They are digging (laughs) out story. They have agency. Um, They are kind of authoring their own their own legend.
0: All right. Well, as I mentioned, I could talk about these games that you have worked on in the past all day, but we probably should spend the majority of the conversation, at least from now, talking about what you're working on next, uh, which is. Um, you're a new company, Gardens, and the new game that you're starting to build um, over there. And from what I can tell, despite having been leaders on many games in the past, Gardens is your first company, and it's been in motion for a couple of years now. Um, and so I I just have to ask, and Chris, I'll start with you on this one. How has it been taking on just like a new level of responsibility seeing a new type of work that's involved and um being a founder what have your reflections been so far
1: yeah i mean it's been really uh, rewarding and fulfilling um it's something that we've wanted to do for a long time is uh, start a studio and kind of create the 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 culture and work environment that we that we want to show up to every day and want to contribute to and build and grow um and also you know just get get to make the kind of games that we want to work on um we we spent a, a, a good chunk of time just at the early outset when we first formed the company of just kind of getting things on its feet. You know, uh there's a lot that we didn't know, there's a lot of learning that we had to do, there's a lot of process and paperwork and whatnot to to get a company on its feet. And so um uh there was definitely a lot there, but as we progress, you know, further on, I can more and more my um my attention can can return to the game and to and to the team and um um, yeah, it's been a really rewarding experience. Uh, it's like I said, it's something that uh, we've considered for a long time. So to be able to have the opportunity and to be able to have uh, investors and partners that that see, you know our, the vision for what we're trying to grow. Um, it means the world. and um, we're really excited to be able to make the most of it.
0: I gotta ask, how is how is it being co-founders as brothers? Um, I'm enjoying
2: it. I don't know, Steven. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great. Like I, we, people joke about it a lot, but you know, like, do you ever, well, I think I can count like on one hand, the amount of times like Chris and I have ever really argued. Um, We've just always been very close and collaborate really well. And I think share very similar sensibilities and and similarly with our, our co-founder Lexi. Um, So it's something that we've talked about doing for a long time, as Chris said. Um, And, you know, after Sky launched, we started, you know, talking about it really in earnest and still took like, I think a year and a half, a couple of years before we actually, you know, pitched the studio and the game that we're, we're building, we, we, we took, we were just, you know, working other projects, consulting for people, et cetera. And just like in off hours, kind of working together to, to iterate on, you know, not only what we wanted the game that we were going to make to be, but the studio to be, um, we, we got pretty far with a few different ideas and kind of kept going back to the drawing board and saying, uh, oh, we like this, or we like that, or there's some, something here, but there's not enough, you know, the legs aren't there. Um, until we got to the idea, you know, that we ultimately pitched the studio on. So it was a, it was about a couple of years of like real iterative design until we finally got to the point where we felt confident in, you know, raising capital, uh, to start the, the, the company. And yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, I feel very lucky that I get to, to make cool stuff, you know, with Chris every day. And, um, we're learning how to, you know, run a company that was, we definitely are leaning on the support of our partners and stuff. We know what we're good at. We know what we have to learn. Um, it's definitely been a learning process, but just trying to, yeah, just trying to build the place that we want to work at, um, and, and, you know, build the game that we want to be playing in every day
0: cool we'll we'll get back to some of that but i don't want to leave the audience hanging too much let's talk about your game um and so i guess um according to your announcement materials the game is described as an ever-evolving online pvpve fantasy adventure sandbox arpg there's a lot a in lot that words. description, <laughs> um, so maybe could you guys unpack what you what you mean by that? Tell us a bit more about what you're what you're building. Chris, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, so I'll break down uh, each of those uh, individual words a little bit. So you know, um, online, so uh, shared world, uh, playing with other players, big focus on uh, c- uh, crossing paths with others. Um, PvPvE, uh, so uh, there is um, both collaborative and competitive uh, mechanics in this world at play. Um, social fantasy adventure sandbox, so it is a, a sandbox game. Um, uh, very, very much, yeah, in, interested in. Um, building a, a, a world that players want to return to every day, that we can host events in, that can kind of be a forever game that um, becomes a, a place that players want to return to, that players form community in, that players can can grow and build, go on an endless adventures uh, together. Uh, and then ARPG, uh, Action RPG, is uh, what A stands for, Action. Um, and, you know, I think some of these... Um, Certain online games or, or MMOs are a bit more um, kind of like idle, you know, kind of you, you click, you wait, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we're very much interested in, in getting players into the, the bodies of their characters and in, in, in really having this embodied play that's very tactile and very warm. And so a lot of the mechanics that go into the game and into, into players working together um, involve that and, and it, so that you really feel the presence and weight of the other players you're playing with as they uh, go on these adventures together with you. Yeah, it's it's
2: very much a, a game that's inspired by, I think we say this in the, in the announcement, but um, it's definitely ins- a game that's like inspired by memories that have stuck with us playing online games over the years. And it's like, in particularly moments that we've shared with strangers. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris, do you want to tell the Final Fantasy story?
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, an example of that that I like to give is uh, I was playing Final Fantasy XI uh, years and years and years ago. Um, it was pretty much my first MMO and um, I was playing that game and I was in a particular part of the world uh, when it started uh, to rain and uh, it was a desolate part of the world. Not many people would travel there, namely because there wasn't much mechanical incentive to be there. It's not like that you would get like a lot of experience points by going there. And so naturally it would end up being quite desolate and barren, but I would go and uh, it started to rain. And so um, um, I went to, uh, find a nearby cave to, uh, sit and, uh, watch the rain. And, uh, I was surprised when I found another player already sitting there. And after some time I asked them, you know, why are you here? And they said, I come to watch the rain. And that was the same reason that I was there. And it was became this very much this like bonding moment where we became friends and, um, ultimately would, um, uh, yeah, go on to adventure together.
2: Yeah. You know, Lexi and I talk a lot about, you know, like the experience of playing something like world of warcraft and kind of like being out in the wild and pulling too many mobs and like exhausting all your options. And then, you know, just as you're about to die at the last second, you know, someone like a healer crosses your path or something and saves you. Um, and then you just, you know, find yourself, you know, partying up together and adventuring together for hours. And it's like, it's, it's how those, those new relationships form. And I think like, um, unfortunately a lot of games today, too often kind of disincentivize or even prevent those kind of interesting and uh, intimate emergent moments from happening between players. Um, so we're really trying to build something that that fosters that again and again by design.
0: Very cool. And I guess, I mean, you this is a virtual world. And you mentioned, Chris, I think you framed it as more of a forever game, uh, which I think is a new type of game uh, for for you guys to build. You can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I'm curious. Um, both kind of what sent what sent you down that path to to really choose to to build that kind of game, um, but also just like you know because it's different, what new or innovative design challenges are you having to tackle and think through? You know, in these these stages of building it out so far.
1: Um, yeah, so I can answer maybe that last one first. Um- we really set out to make the game that we want to play every day. Um, it's uh, it's a game that's uh, heavily inspired, like Steven said, of, of the memories of us playing online games, and said, so "How can we you know make a game that that fosters those those moments again and again by design?" Um, when we think about you know online games and, and community building, you know we think about how can this thing grow and and sustain itself and live on and be and be a home for players and. Um, Uh, you know, rather than coming out with a sequel and maybe like bifurcating the player base or, you know, separating the community, you know, just continue to grow and to extend this thing, continue to add new features, continue to add new environments, new mechanics, new narrative, etc. as we flesh out this world. Um, I think Sky as well is is intending to be a, a forever game in its own right. Uh, how uh, just it's, it's uh, very much a, a collaborative cooperative game um, versus, you know, we talked about some of the challenges of what we're, we're creating. Um, I think, you know, we're we're trying to make something where cooperative and competitive play can happen uh, together, and we're trying to make a world where uh, no matter what player type you are, uh, that there's a place here for you, and that there's a way to contribute to this world and and be a part of it and and take action in it. Uh, whether you're you know a warrior who wants to you know solve things with a sword, or whether you're a more pacifist player who just likes to make potions and cook for people or uh, whatever kind of player type you are we want to make room for you and and give you the, the opportunity to play here and, and, and find something that, that really matters and means something to you. I think when it comes to the challenges, um, creating a game that is both cooperative and competitive that ultimately, you know, a game with PvP essentially, that ultimately strives to get players to work together even though there's that PvP um, isn't something that we've really seen before and it's, it's definitely kind of like threading a needle because, you know, in a lot of games you you include pvp or competition and there's a lot of opportunity for toxicity there's you know there's um once you get situations where you're reliant on a stranger to to solve something or get something done that affects your playthrough and your progression and that maybe is somehow hindered in some way you know um these negative relationships can form. So there's a lot there that it, this tightrope walking that we have to do and kind of think about from a systemic design perspective of how do we get players, in, you know, despite the ability to go the other way or to, or to work against each other, to ultimately feel kind of compelled to uh, to collaborate and cooperate and make those cooperative mechanic, mechanics and experiences all the stronger. Um, I think it's, or we think that, um, you know... Yes, you know, I think both Journey and Sky are, are beautiful games. Um, but I think there's an opportunity to create something where, you know, in those two games, you can all you can do is help each other, or kind of leave each other, you know, and, and kind of go off on your own. Uh, you can't really work against each other in any way. And uh, there's a real challenge to us is, is can we make a game where... Uh, players choose to work together even when they don't have to and when they can work against each other because it makes the act of them working together and, and helping each other all the more meaningful in our opinion. So you know, can we strive for that? Uh, and that's that's something that we're that we're working on daily.
0: Can you maybe tell me a bit more about how you're threading that needle? or are there other games out there that maybe are inspiring parts of how you think about balancing cooperation, competition, Maybe let's just dive a bit deeper.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, for us, a a big part of it is, is can we, can we create a foundation of cooperative mechanics and cooperative play um, and a, you know, a a varied, um, you know, ecology of cooperative play where, uh, where players you know it's it's kind of like a sort of situation where you're you you won't go as far your ruck might run out run out sooner if you try to go things alone but if you put your faith in other people if you put them in strangers if you if you learn to to be collaborative and helpful that you'll ultimately progress further in this world and so um you know uh, a, a simple example is, you know, just like coming upon a, a castle gate and you can't open it yourself and you need someone else. The gate, you know, ultimately what's behind that gate may be, you know, something unique to you, you know, some part of your, your quest line or whatever, but ultimately there's another player that you need. And so that game where you actually have to recruit and call upon each other um, to to get through these experiences, hopefully lead to new relationships and to, to new adventures between strangers.
0: Steven, can you maybe yeah, unpack just, the uh, narrative design? side of that sure. how you're thinking about d- building something new and you mentioned kind of the, like the, I'm forgetting the term, but like the immersive world that, you know, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it, it it kind of, kind of like
2: emergent narrative. Yeah. I I mean, we really want the, the players themselves to be authoring the experience and to be, you know, the main drivers of, um, the dramatic moments that are happening, you know, again and again, um, we have some fairly innovative features and and systems that I, I don't know that I can talk about yet, but like um, our world kind of by design offers new opportunities and, and experiences every time you play. Um, so that alone lends to a lot of just exploration and discovery. Um, and, you know, uh, so it goes back to, like I said, you know, kind of just like, creating a world that feels rich with history and lore and secrets and, you know, um, a feeling of like dormant magic in the world that you want to dig out and awaken so that you're encouraged, you know, just continuing, continuing to, to, to find ways to, to give players these, you know, sometimes big, sometimes mini calls to adventure, to encourage them out. Um, it is, you know, uh, I'm not supposed to make Tolkien references, but uh, (laughs) it is very much like a game of like strangers to coming together to form like little fellowships and go on, you know, adventures together. And that might be a cooperative one that might be a competitive encounter, Um, but, you know, finding ways to just like give them opportunities for play uh, without forcing them down a certain line. And just like, if we can continue to give them opportunities, they'll seek out the kinds of experiences that they they want. And then it's our job to support that. And that it goes back to like, can you have different, you know, tones and, and things like that? I think like if it's, you build something holistically, if it's, you know, you, you want a sense of verisimilitude into the terms of like, in terms of like your adventuring and stuff, but like also like lean into the playfulness of it, lean into the jank a little bit of it and players will kind of run with you. Um, and so we're definitely, you know, looking to kind of strike a fine balance there so that players can seek out the kinds of experiences that they want, um, and building a world that, you know, will just kind of like organically support that while also something that continue to be expanded over time. And um, you know, we have, there's a bunch of, you know, secret lore that I can't get into, but like creating a space that feels magical, that feels ever expansive, that you are kind of continuing to discover, continuing to coax magic out of um, that's the goal.
0: Well, that sounds exciting, and I look forward to, to learning more um, one day and experiencing that for myself. Um, but I guess kind of switching gears to talking a bit more about the business side of this too, because you know, as founders, you're not just building a game, you're building a business too. Um, it was announced recently that, you're, that you raised a Series A, which was $31.3 million. Um, it was co-led by our partners at Lightspeed uh, with involvement from many others. And so my first question here is, why go so big? That's a big raise. Like, can you maybe just unpack the, some of like, why be so ambitious? So, so early on, what are you thinking here in terms of that from the business side?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We raised the way we did to meet the ambition of the, the project in the studio. Um, the, the, the vision that we have for it. Um, it is an ambitious project. We want to be able to scale up to, to fully execute that. Um, We, you know, we're going to be, as like our announcement noted, you know, we're hiring again, we're going to be continuing to scale up over the coming years. Um, But, you know, and and this is meant to be something that lives on beyond launch and continues to expand and offer new experiences beyond launch. So you also to be able to support that. Uh, It's not just it's not just the capital that we brought in, but also like the support from, you know, our co-leads at Lightspeed and Crafton to we have a number of other, um, you know, companies and angels that that came in that are are offer all sorts of different talents and expertise um, to help us build out this vision um and yeah i think like games are expensive this is an ambitious title uh we wanted to make sure that we were bringing in enough runway to support the studio i think like unfortunately you're seeing you know a lot of stories of like studio closures and layoffs um we want, we have a responsibility to our team to take care of them, you know, to protect them. We want to be building this with them for many, many years to come. Um, so building in real, you know, solid runway for the studio, allowing us to go after world-class talent and retain them. Um, you know, when we just looked at our goals for where we want to you know, what we wanted the studio to be, what we wanted for the project, where we wanted to go. Um, it just kind of made sense to to really go after it with this raise.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe a, a follow up to that. Your investor list is sort of a, a who's who of not just VCs, but also, you know, companies and leading executives from many, if not most of the industry's leading platforms and companies, it seems like. Um, and so, I mean, for one, congrats on um, building a great um team of investors that that have your back but i'm also just curious um how did you decide who to add to the cap table like what does this wide range of elite investors like tangibly bring to you as a studio can you maybe just unpack a bit more like how you thought about you know bringing all of these you know impressive people on what are you what are you really unlocking there
2: yeah i'll 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 take the first part of that chris and you can kind of jump in um I mean, one, it's 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 kind of a reflection of the game we're making, too, right? Like we're making, definitely making, we're making a game about strangers with different backgrounds and talents coming together to, to, you know, try to create something new and create magic together. Um, We we definitely try to approach the the round that way. Um, I think whether that's like looking at, you know, bringing in uh, a blue chip investment firm like Lightspeed that has like real global presence that can help us, um, kind of scale the company, um, from, you know, advice from like a corporate governance angle, um, that'll be there, like doing the nitty gritty with us day to day, um, to someone like Crafton who has, you know, experience launching one of the biggest games in the world, live ops experience, go to market support, um, even things like localization or large scale play testing things like that dreamhaven you know who will do everything from help us like scaling the company hiring to providing design feedback um, Fun plus who will help with you know play testing similarly like to someone like Kraft and you know the other VC firms like transcend and, and Tierda um, who bring both like real industry experience, understanding how games get made, how you know can provide industry insights there, but also how to scale a company. Um, just down the line to our cross media partners, things like that, we, we want this to be a global franchise. We have a lot of aspirations for for things that we can do. Uh, with this title and with the world that we're creating. Um, so finding, you know, partners that have done it before that know how to do the things that we don't know how to do yet. And that can help lend their support there um, as well as like our, you know, our advisory team, like just even starting to build relationships with the different major platforms um, um, or have insight into how they operate and things like that. So it's extremely useful and really, really valuable and. Uh, when it came to deciding who to bring in, it, it really comes down to, you know, not only the, you know, can they provide capital or what kind of complimentary value can they bring, but like, do they understand the vision? Do they see not only what we want the game to be, but how we want to grow the studio, how we want to build, you know, we talk a lot about like sustainable collective growth. We want to build ambitious games in a healthy way. Um, and, you know, we brought in partners that really keyed into that and really uh, embraced that that um, that vision. So um, now we're just constantly asking them for help, I guess. That, that'll just be <laughs> what we do every day. Um, but so far, you know, they've been more than willing to jump in there with us and and lend their expertise.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And that's a great position to be in. Chris, is there anything else you want to add to that? I think
1: that was well put. Yeah. Um... You know, it's really just been about coming, you know, bring together a set of partners that bring complimentary value that can help us, whether it's with, you know, running a, a live service game at scale to publishing, to grow to growing a team, to managing, maintaining and managing culture to platform relations. Like these are all uh, things that, that are, are really important and critical to a game success. And so to have um, to have people in our camp that um, have been through these gauntlets before that have, that have, that have dealt with these problems before and have been come and have come out successful on the other side of it um is really is it's just a great um uh gift and uh we we have already gotten a lot of help from from our partners in terms of getting the company on its feet and getting to where we are with this raise
0: great final fundraising question from me i I imagine that we have many listeners who, you know, might day who might one day start a company for themselves, you know, are going to be excited about, you know, building a team around a new game that they're excited about. But we'll also have to go through uh, a bunch of, you know, fundraising, you know, figuring out documents, all all of those, you know, starting a company details for the first time, uh, like like you guys have. Uh, So I'm just curious, like over whether it's fundraising related or just something else, related to the, the nitty gritty details of, of starting a business. Um, what have you learned or wish you knew, um, two years ago that might be helpful for someone else listening?
2: Um, I don't know if there's one piece of advice that like I, or one thing that I learned. Um, there are so many things that I've learned over the course of the last two years. Um, I think, one, you know, understanding the deal making process, uh, is something that I wish I was more versed in. Um, you kind of just feel like, or at least we felt like we were just stumbling our way through it, (laughs) kind of fumbling the ball forward again and again and again. Um, you know, I read venture deals like 10 times and, but you can only, (laughs) that only helps so much, you know, it's helpful, but you know, and like you can Google as much as you want, but until you're in it, like, there's a lot of things that happen very quickly, you know, negotiation tactics that you're not necessarily keyed into or like lingo that's thrown around. So, uh, it's just kind of a trial by fire thing. Um, so you learn a lot just going through the process, um, starting a company, there's just like so much to do all the time. Um, the only advice I have is like, I constantly just ask stupid questions, like, even if I think I know the answer, I'm constantly asking it as just, just making sure that I am buttoned up on everything. Um, and you know that I do it all the time, but it's, it's why we pulled together, like the partners that we wanted to get, right. It was something that we knew, like we're new to starting a company. We like that would be the one knock against us right where that would like the the experience side of things um so you know leaning on people that you can trust that um have been there before or that understand it like and just ask as many questions as possible um you're gonna make mistakes but you know if you have a team around you that like is willing to like you know lend a hand they'll uh you'll get through it it's just the funding side of things is is I think it's changed a lot too, over the last couple of years. Um, You know, we raised seed with like a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, I think like, fortunately we had worked on a number of titles that brought some credibility and stuff. Um, we definitely took our time before, like I said, before we raised, um, we had a full vision for the thing that we wanted to build, um, so that we could lean on both like the games that we had made before, and then a picture of the thing that we wanted to make and be able to answer, you know, what are our, what's our picture for monetization? How does this thing expand? What is like, what is five years, 10 years down the line look like for this thing? Um, rather than just going like, Hey, we want to make a game, you know, can you give us money? Um, we made sure that we were at least buttoned up on that aspect from the design angle, you know, so forth so that we could, um, at least, you know get people to buy into the vision of it. And then when it came time to to do series A, as we saw the kind of like environment shifting and the market getting a lot tougher, um, we could, you know, we realized like we really need to be able to put something in people's hands that they could jump into and play, you know, so we, we built a, you know, uh, a prototype demo we're, we're still in prototyping but we built like a, a playable prototype that we just brought to potential investors at gdc and just sat down with them behind closed doors and then we just let them jump into it um being able to just let them experience it and get a glimpse of what you're making even if it's not the whole thing but to get the feeling of what the thing is um i think can be very powerful um because if we didn't have that uh, you know i don't know how we would raise today
0: mm. well i have Two or three more final questions that we can kind of quickly hit on before we wrap up. But Chris, I want to give you a chance to answer that question too if you want to add anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, Stephen talked about uh, asking a lot of stupid questions. Uh, You know, I think we've... we it's a small industry and, uh, you know, we've been able to uh, have uh, formulations with um, a number of great people uh, that have been able to coach us through this. So I would say lean on those networks uh, that you're able to connect with, put put things in front of them, in front of them, even if they're not ready so that you can get feedback and you can iterate forward uh, when you go to have those Pitches uh, maybe save the more precious you know partners and whatnot that you're looking to pitch to uh, for later so that you can get some tri- tr- tries at pitching with some of the other parties and, wow. and learn what kind of questions they have learn learn what sort of gaps are in your presentation uh, so that when it comes down to when it comes time to present to uh, the people that you really care about uh, you're all buttoned up so uh, that's just a words of wisdom. Yeah, build, build more decks so that you mm-hmm. can go, oh, well, I have a deck for
2: that, and then mm-hmm. pull it out when they ask a question. Uh, they <laughs> love that.
0: Great advice. Lots of decks. Um, so maybe a couple of questions before we end. Um, you mentioned um, earlier in the conversation how you want to build games in a sustainable way uh, where you can create positive experiences for all types of players but also for all the people who are working with you too and so in the press materials i think one of you says um and i quote we are also named gardens after the way that we make our games we believe in sustainable collective growth that means sharing a responsibility to care for one another and crafting our ambitious games in a healthy way Um, so could you maybe just share a bit more about how you're uniquely designing your company culture and whether there's like any like experiences from the past that just kind of melded and shaped the way that you're thinking about building this business differently. Yeah.
2: I'll jump in first. I I do. I want to say like, I don't think we are uniquely doing anything. Um, I think that there are a lot of really great studios that are also trying to, um, build things, uh, in a more sustainable manner. Um, Um, And we're like constantly trying to learn from them. Um, We are constantly like, as Chris mentioned, you know, been fortunate to be building up a network of other founders of other studios, sharing ideas together. Like, I think like if, if, if a a bunch of us succeed, then, you know, things can be done differently. Um, uh, It's not just a competitive thing here um so sharing best practices um we we've a lot of the things that we've gotten credit for we were ideas that we incorporated from that other studios were doing that we incorporated and then kind of put our own spin on or what have you um and then are willing to you know share that with others because i think like if you're going to see change happen in the industry it has to be repeatable um and it has to be successful at scale um so so I would just say like, we're not unique there. I think like when it comes to how we're trying to do things, it's it's an ever evolving process. We are trying to scale a globally distributed studio. There are challenges with that, how you maintain, you know, collaboration and communication and so forth as you have people all around the world. Um, you know, we try to, things that we do try to do, you know, we, we, we really try to, to make sure that the team is working like sustainable working hours, gets time away from work because you know, you're going to have deadlines, you're, 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 you're you're working with people, including yourself that like are passionate about the things that you're making. You're going to put the work in at times. And like, it's our job to make sure that you're getting rest, you're getting, you know, you're, you're going away from it so that you can be inspired again and come back to it with fresh eyes. Um, you know, we, we do things like practice pay transparency at the company. Like everybody at the studio knows what everybody else makes. Um, I don't know why that is like considered to be like uh I don't know, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but like it it just seems obvious to me. Like people know, unless you know, they know that they're being treated fairly. They know that they 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 have they they can chart their own path to promotion and advocate for themselves. We're trying to attract world-class talent and keep them here so that we can be successful. Um, and so you know, the more that we can just do to treat our teammates, the way that we want to be treated, I think like will put us in a position to succeed. We've all experienced like crunch culture and burnout up close. I've seen people that I love dearly leave the industry who are like massive talents. Um, Any you know, and, it, and it's just like, or just, just wonderful people. and And that is a, a real loss to the industry. So anything that we can do to just continue to get better at, you know, how we treat one another um you know we're committed to to doing
0: love it final question for you chris i know it's still early and you're you're all working hard hacking away at game number one but let's zoom into the future for a moment in 10 to 15 years or you can pick your time period what does gardens look like what are you ultimately building towards here Yeah,
1: so, um, you know, the game that we're working on, this this meant to be a forever game, is meant to be the financial spine of the company, and with that, something that can continue to grow and expand over time uh, for many, many years down the road. I mean, you look at something like World of Warcraft or uh, any, you know, these games that are are upwards of a decade or two, you know, um, it's possible. And um, I was just, you know, I just was playing World of Warcraft a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, Not to say that we're building that game, but... um, you know, it's it's about having something. Uh, this the centr- this this one project that we're talking about. You know, this should be at this point in the future. Uh, you know, we it would have many years uh, behind it. It would it would it would be uh, bigger and bigger than than how it started. Um, we'd still continue to uh, host events in that world and bring players into it and continue to, to remix and transform and use it as a place to try out new ideas and and have it be a place a place where we can experiment uh, with a community at scale um, and then having other projects in parallel with that so uh you know after this project is out while we'll continue to grow it we'll probably spin up a second team maybe and then down the road maybe a third team and you know looking at have being a multi-project studio uh with you know two maybe three things in parallel um at any one time
0: very cool final final question um for you guys um i imagine i know you're hiring you're going to be hiring Um, And there's people out there who might want to work with you guys and also too just people who have enjoyed games that you've helped make in the past are probably interested um, in um, staying aware of, you know, the updates here for those who want to stay in the know or get in touch in some kind of way. How should they where should they go? How should they reach out?
1: Yeah. So um, our website has our contact info. It's uh, www.gardens.dev, D-E-V as in developer. Uh, you can also go on Twitter. We're, we're uh, Gardens uh, Gardens Devs on Twitter. Um, but that's those are the kind of the two places to to hit us up. Uh, in the future, we'll probably open up a Discord and, and go that route. But uh, for now, um, our Twitter or our hello email is uh, the best place uh, to approach us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We definitely we'll definitely be bringing out more in the near term i think like it was a lesson that we've learned from previous games you know baseball, what have you um i want we want to be devving a bit more in public i don't really believe like going away for five to seven years and just developing something in a silo is really the future for development i think like you want to build your community pull people in make you know like do play tests just just kind of start to to get the game on its feet before you're even at like an alpha or an early access or what have you um so we will be bringing things out whether that's you know discord or, or what have you just to start building it up more but for now yeah the, the website or the twitter
0: awesome well chris steven this hour has been an absolute joy i can't wait to to keep on following gardens and, and what you're working on and learning more and and playing um eventually too so that's going to be a bunch of fun but for now thank you both so much for hopping we'll on a play
2: test yeah thank you thanks aaron
0: if you enjoyed today's episode whether on youtube or your favorite podcast app make sure to like subscribe comment or give a five-star review